We are going to be in the book of Proverbs again this morning, but we're going to start out jumping in in the book of Ecclesiastes this morning. So uh, you can turn to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4. That's where we're going to begin this morning. Uh, We are wrapping up a series that we have been in that we have entitled Timeless Wisdom. Uh, We've been in the book of Proverbs, and we have been looking at uh, some wise instruction that Solomon, through many of these Proverbs, are giving as instruction to his son. Uh, He's going to begin right off the bat in the book of Proverbs in chapter 1 to speak about the necessity of Solomon uh, telling his son, pursue wisdom, uh, seek out wisdom, uh, search for her as for hidden treasures, desire wisdom. And and he also tells us kind of interesting thought, uh, whereas we're to seek out and search for wisdom, he also tells us that wisdom shouts out, And is desiring to be found. And she shouts out in the open places and at the the gates to the city for those that would desire her. Saying, listen to me. Come and find me and hear me and listen to me. Uh, I think back to um, so many examples that we've already looked at in this series that we've entitled Timeless Wisdom. Of of instruction and principles that Solomon has given his son Uh, that would be so valuable and important for you and I present day in the year 2020 as this year comes to an end to take heed to, listen to, and even put into practice in our own lives. That's why we've called the series Timeless Wisdom. You know, kind of is important, I, I wouldn't even say kind of, it is important that we start with a foundational understanding that when God's word gives instruction, we should listen to it. We should listen to it. We should follow the instruction of God's word. I think about Paul when he was writing to believers in Thessalonica, when he was encouraged by their response to the gospel in their living out the gospel. He would say in 1 Thessalonians, he would say, listen, for this reason we're giving God thanks for you because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the words of men, But as it is in truth, the word of God, which is effectively at work in you who believe. Paul was so encouraged about these believers in Thessalonica because they had heard the word of God and they listened to it. They received it as authority. They received it as it was from God and not simply from men. And so one of the reasons that we see such value and importance as we've gone through the book of Proverbs in this series, as we navigate that, we look at this and such value and importance that's there is because we recognize that the origin of this, the Word of God, has its origin in God and not in man. Uh, that this is inspired of God, breathed out by God. It is authoritative. It is eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's Word will remain eternal. And so there is great value as we open the pages of the Word of God Read it, study it, and seek to apply it to our lives. And I hope during this series, you have seen that words that were written thousands of years ago still hold such relevance and value and importance for us even today. And God truly knows what he's doing. God knows what he's talking about when he says the things that he says in his word. And so we want to dive back in there this morning, timeless wisdom from Proverbs as we look at this area of friendship today, friendship. I want to begin in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. And Solomon, as the author of Ecclesiastes, is writing here, and he writes about friendship, really, in verses 7 through 12. Listen to what he says. Again, I saw vanity under the sun, one person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil. 
And his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, For whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Uh, Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 7 through 12, about those that are laboring alone, those that are laboring without companionship, without an heir. They're laboring without satisfaction. They're laboring alone and without companionship. And so there's no sense of joy. There's no sense of happiness. There's no sense of reward. There's no sense of satisfaction because the individual is simply alone. And then he gives examples of why it's of greater value to have companionship, of why it's of greater value to have friendships and friends, of why it is better to not be alone but to have another with you. And we understand this in so many areas of life. We understand what it's like in so many different areas. Uh, The other day, my youngest daughter, Leah, needed to grab something from her room upstairs, and it was uh, kind of in the evening, and the lights were off upstairs, and I said, honey, you need to go up into your room and grab this, and she said, it's dark up there, and and she was a little bit afraid, and, you know, I didn't be like, well, just turn the light on, she's only four, so I didn't want to, like, you know, make her feel like, honey, just flip the light on, I said, okay, and she's like, daddy, will you come with me, she wanted me to go with her, because she was afraid. She didn't want to go up by herself, but when I went up with her, she didn't even care if I turned the light on because she felt better about having me with her as she went up there. And maybe you understand that from that figurative sense to a literal sense for you of when you're going through something, whether it's darkness or evil or turmoil or sorrow or pain, and you're going through that isolated and alone, it is much different than when someone comes alongside of you and walks through that with you. You see, there's an absolute necessity on the part of every human being for companionship. There's an absolute necessity on the part of every human being. And so this morning, I want to look at some truths about friends, and I want to give us some actions I think that will be helpful to take if we want to be friends that are honoring Christ. Truth number one, friends are necessary and valuable. Friends are necessary and valuable. If you look all the way back in Genesis... The first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, we looked at this when we talked about uh, the marriage relationship and talked about uh, marriage in general. In Genesis chapter 2, God said it's not good for man to be alone. Even from the very beginning, even though Adam was created and the animals were created and God saw all the animals and Adam really wasn't alone because there were living beings around him. And even though God was with Adam, right, in the garden and walked with Adam in the garden, God still saw that it was not good for man to be alone. He would make a helper suitable for him. There was a necessity of companionship even for Adam in the garden when God walked with him. Think of that for a moment. And yes, it is absolutely true that even today we have this encouragement and this understanding that our God has promised you are never alone. Why? Because he will never leave us or forsake us. God is with us always. As children of God, we have that promise from our God. The Spirit of God is within us. We cannot and will not as children of God ever walk alone in this life apart, that is, apart from our God being with us. And yet... And yet, God has created us in such a way as to desire and to need companionship as we walk 
on this earth. This is why we have so many examples in the word of God where God tells the believer in Christ to love one another and care for one another and bear one another's burdens and to pray for one another, all of these things. And if you have ever been in a situation where you have been hurting, where you have been down, where you have faced difficulty, where you have had uncertainties, you know it to be true that friends are necessary and they are valuable. In that passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, he, Solomon gives a number of different examples. He says, two are better than one. If one falls down, woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Um, there's this reality, this reality that we need one another. I wonder, as I was thinking through this, I was thinking about an illustration. I wonder, how many of you here have ever done a push-up? Before And if you don't know what a push-up is, you probably haven't done it. But push-up is when, when you, you put your hands down, you know what a push-up is, right? You push uh, up. How many of you have ever done a push-up before? Whether willingly or unwillingly or accidentally, if you were like laying on the ground watching TV and you pushed yourself up, you did a push-up almost. How many of you have ever done that? Uh, put your hands up. I want to see them real high. Everybody's hands probably should be up. Okay, now put them down. How many of you have ever done a one-handed push-up? Put your hand up. Put them up high. I want to see how many of you have done it. Okay, all these people, I'm looking at most of you thinking there's no way you're going to do it right now. Uh, maybe when you were younger, when you were like better at whatever you were good at. Uh, how many of you can do a one-handed push-up right now? I want to see your hand up real quick. How many? Um, one, two. Eric, come on up here. Uh, come on up here back there. Yeah, come on up. Come on up. Uh, so I have at least two people who can do them. Right? Put your money where your mouth is, people, if you're going to say you can do something. Come on up on the, on the big stage here. Little experiment here. Uh, go ahead. What's your name? Ben. Ben, I knew that. Ben, I knew. Ben's going to demonstrate for us a one-handed push-up. Go ahead, Ben. Get in the zone. Get. Ben just wore himself out. You're not done yet, Ben, so I hope you didn't get totally worn out. Go ahead back. Eric, do you? Go ahead. That's good. That's good. Okay, here's what I want you to do now. Uh, now that you guys have done that and you've shown your strength, I want you to start off flat on the ground and push yourself up. Go ahead. Start off down, one hand all the way down. All right. Now go ahead and do your push-up. Good. Do another one. Do another one. Hold it. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> one more. Go ahead. Down. Hold it. <laughs> All right, Ben, show us. Yes. Give ben, give ben a hand. And give Eric a hand, too. Give Eric a hand, too. Good. Um, that's impressive. That's impressive. I'm curious, how many of you by show of hands think you could do that? Put your hands up. Now, some of you are putting your hand up. You didn't even put your hand up before that you could do one, but you think you could do that. But listen, here's the reality. Not a lot of people, there's not a lot of people who can do a one-handed push-up. A lot of people can do it with two hands. Not a lot can do it with one. There's even less people who can do it once they're down to start at a dead stop and push themselves up with one hand. There might be some that can, and we've seen two guys that can this morning out of this group. And maybe there's another one or two of you here, very small percentage. And here's what God says in his word about companionship, friendship, and what he says in Ecclesiastes. Two 
are better than one. And when one falls, it is of much greater benefit when there is another to help pick him up. And here's what I want you to think of when you think of that passage. I want you to think about the difference between doing a two-handed push-up with two hands to push yourself up, which pretty much all of us probably can do, and taking one of those away and trying to do that on your own, day in and day out, all day, every day. It just doesn't work. And so I want us to understand this analogy, and I want us to understand what God says in his word, that friendships are of absolute necessity and value, not just in our eyes, but in the eyes of God for us. Again, Genesis chapter 2, even when God would walk with Adam in the cool of the garden, he saw that it was not good for Adam to be alone. He would make a companion helpful for him. Even when we see the ministry that Jesus had on this earth and his complete dependence upon the Father, he had that group, right, that was with him wherever he went. And within that group was a smaller group of close, intimate friendships. Peter, James, John, that went with him and he talked with, that he shared with, that he asked to pray when they were in the garden and they were falling asleep, that he wanted to care for and wanted to hear from them. Friends are necessary and valuable. Woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to pick him up, to lift him up. God created us to need friendships, to desire friendships, to thrive in those friendships, companionship. That's how he's designed us. Truth number two about friends, friends should be chosen carefully. So we all need these friendships, and friendships are that which are valuable and necessary. But number two, friends should be chosen carefully. Proverbs 12, 26 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. I want you to consider this for a moment. There are some who, they really don't put much thought or consideration into who their friends are or who their close companions are, and that is a problem. Uh, Really, we need to choose carefully who it is that we are close friends with, who it is that we confide in, who it is that we trust, who it is that we allow ourselves to uh, spend and invest time with, and who it is that we allow to influence our lives and that we too are influencing. Friends should be chosen carefully. The righteous choose their friends carefully. Proverbs 18.24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The word friend here is the meaning of one who loves. The one who has a friend who loves sticks closer even than a brother. When you find a good friend, a friend that is true and a friend that is wise and a friend that is honorable, that friend could even be of greater closeness and and greater value to you even than a brother, he says. Unreliable friends, a man of unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. There should be a careful consideration and choosing of who it is that we consider to be our closest of friends. You know, I want you to consider for a moment our decision-making and our day-to-day decisions. Uh, There are some things that we don't spend a lot of time contemplating and considering when it comes to decisions that we make day in and day out. We don't have the time, the energy, or really the focus to be able to fully consider all things with every decision that we make. And some decisions just aren't as important as other decisions. 
But on those important ones, the ones that we want to last, the ones that we expect will have an impact for the long term, we spend more time and consideration. We spend more time to carefully consider the pros and cons, the positives, the negatives, when we weigh out things that are of value to us and that are important to us. We should have the same kind of consideration when choosing friends. When we are investing our time, energy, and effort into friendships, we should choose wisely. We should choose carefully. The righteous choose their friends carefully, very clearly, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. The one who has unreliable friends comes to ruin, he says. And then also in Proverbs 22, he says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Here's what's very interesting about God's word, is that we would be very pro-understanding where God tells us to have friendships, right? We'd be very pro about the pursuing of these friendships, very pro about the one another's and to care for one another and love one another and to bear one another's burdens. We'd be very pro of the love one another's and to be a brother to one another and to be a friend to one another. But we also have to be very pro where the word of God is anti. And what I mean by that is just as much as we can see the necessity of companionship and friendship, Just as much as we can see where God's instruction is to be a friend, to be a companion, to be a supporter of each other, we also see specific warnings where God tells us not to befriend certain individuals. And we need to take heed to those warnings. We need to take heed that when God says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person, lest you learn their ways and get ensnared, that God is giving a warning. We need to take heed when God tells us that we're to choose wisely the friendships that we have because the way of the wicked will lead us astray. We have to be careful when we choose our friends when God's word says if you're choosing unreliable friends, your end will be ruined because of the influence and because of the impact that those friendships make. Choosing friends is of absolute necessity and value and we must Choose them wisely. And so today I would ask you if you were to look at your friendships. Today if we were to examine our friendships, and you know this is one of these things that again from a very young age you're told and you're taught you are the company that you keep. And, and the friends that you might have if you're a parent and you have kids and the friends that they have. If you work in a work environment and the friends that you have and the relationships that you're with. You know that the more you're around certain individuals the more they have an impact on your life. You know that to be true. I know that to be true. We see that. We see that in so many different ways. We see that with our children. If you have kids, depending on who their friends are and what friends they were around, they might act a particular way or use certain words or or do certain things. We understand that as adults, that the more we're surrounded by our, our friends at work, And their personalities and their demeanor and their language, the more we might tend to look or sound like that. The more we're surrounded around the things of God and the word of God and in the word of God, the more we begin to sound and look and talk like those that are completely consumed in the word of God and the things of God. And so we have to choose wisely the friends that we have. We have to seek to be those that are making an impact and not just those that are being impacted. And so there are so many examples in God's word where we must choose wisely. So take a look at your friendships today. Are there some that you know are influencing you poorly as it relates to your walk with Christ? 
What friendships and relationships do you have that are producing peace and joy, hope and encouragement in your life? And what friendships and relationships do you have that are producing the opposite? What friendships and relationships do you have that you know when you examine those that they bring you into closer fellowship and relationship with Christ? And what friendships and relationships do we have that we know the more that we are in them and surrounded in them, the farther and farther we are drawn away from the things of God and that which honors and glorifies God? Choose wisely. Choose wisely those friendships and relationships that you're in. Number three, friends should sharpen one another. Proverbs 27, 17, maybe one of the most familiar passages in Proverbs that people use about relationships as iron sharpens iron so one person sharpens another there's this desire to sharpen one another as friends this should be the goal shouldn't it the goal of any friendship and relationship should not be to make the other person just completely dull or void of meaning and success or of accomplishment no it should be to sharpen one another friends can bring perspective can't they Friends, sometimes good friends can bring perspective when perspective is needed. Uh, They can bring encouragement when encouragement is needed. They can bring aid when aid is needed. They can bring improvement when improvement is needed. That's what good friends do. They sharpen one another. And this is a two-way street, at least it should be. It's not a situation where you and I as friends to others should be the only ones benefiting from that friendship. Man, that person really sharpens me. That's great, but how are you sharpening them? You see, there's a responsibility that we have to be a friend, to sharpen others, but also to have friendships that sharpen us in our walk with Christ and our relationship with the Lord. And I wonder how many of our friendships are doing that, and how many are we doing that for? As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. God's desire for you and I as believers would be always to bring encouragement. Always to bring that which honors God into those friendships and relationships. And sometimes that encouragement is hard because sometimes that encouragement is through confrontation. At least number four, friends should be reliable and committed. Friends should be reliable and committed. Proverbs 27, it's a hard passage, says, Better is open rebuke. Then hidden love, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Listen to what he says here in Proverbs 27, that wounds from a friend can be trusted. There are times when as a friend, we need to share the hard realities and truths that our friends are not seeing. Sometimes love covers, right? But sometimes love necessitates an uncovering of sin that is present maybe in our friends' lives that they don't see of confrontation in love, out of care for one another. But a friend should be reliable and committed. A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for a time of adversity. We have an absolute necessity to be able to speak truth in our friendships and relationships with one another. And sometimes that can be costly. And yet if we truly care and we truly love for those that we call ourselves friends with, Open rebuke is better than hidden love, and wounds from a friend can be trusted. This is the example that we even have from God's word as it relates to God's correction of those that he loves, isn't it? The one that the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father corrects or chastens his children. A friend should be reliable and committed. It is not friendly 
for me to see something in your life as a friend that might and could bring the correcting hand of God into your life that could be so costly and not bring it to your attention and address it in love with you. Nor would it be friendly for you not to bring it to my attention for me to address before the Lord. As friends, we need to be reliable and committed. There'll be hard times. There'll be times when there seems to be absolutely no benefit to you or I in caring and loving and responding to our friends. And yet that is what a friend must do. Be reliable and be committed. Number five, friends can be separated as a result of sin. This is a hard reality, and yet it's the truth. Even great friendships and close friendships and loving friendships can suffer the destructive results of sin and be separated. Proverbs 16.28 says, Friends can be separated as a result of sin. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and gossip separates close friends. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of that. Maybe you've been through that, and you know the realities of that. Sin separates even close friendships, even close relationships. Proverbs 79 says, whoever would foster love covers an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Again, sin, lies, gossip, idle talk, foolish speech separates even close friends. Sin ruins. Sin ruins even the closest of friendships, severs those friendships so often. And again, maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been through that. So as you consider these truths about friends, friends are necessary and valuable. God created us to desire and to need companionship and friendship. Uh, Friends should be chosen carefully. There should be wisdom in exercising wisdom as we evaluate those close relationships that we have with one another. Friends should sharpen one another. That should be the desire we have to be sharpened and to sharpen. Friends should be reliable and committed and friends can be separated as a result of sin. So let me give some points of action today. Number one, I'd encourage you this morning to seek out wise friendships. Seek out wise friendships. Use wisdom in the friendships that you surround yourself by because they will influence you whether you realize it or not. And yes, you can have influence, but realize you will be influenced as well by those that are closest to you by those that you invest and spend the most time with and that you surround yourself with and that you talk to the most and that you engage with the most, they will have an impact on your life. Seek out wise friendships. Can I also just encourage you, seek out wise friendships and seek to be a friend to those that need a friend. Given the current cultural situation we find ourselves in, given the current environment we find ourselves in, there are many people who are hurting and alone right now. There are many people who are in need of true, authentic, godly friendships. And so can I encourage you this morning to be a friend to those that need a friend? Maybe God's put someone on your heart or on your mind this morning even that for whatever reason he's put them there. Maybe today reach out, make a phone call, or make a visit to encourage that friend in the Lord. There's a reason God has put them on your heart and mind. Seek out wise friendships. Seek to be a friend. Number two, give thanks to God for true friends. Give thanks to him for true friends. Understand the value that is there in friendships. And give God thanks. Maybe go above and beyond by just giving God thanks as it relates to 
praising and thanking him personally, but maybe go a step further in encouraging those friends that God brings to your mind by calling them or visiting them and telling them how thankful you are for them again. Be an encourager. Let people know, friends know of the value they bring to your life. Let them know of the encouragement that they are to you. Let them know of the impact that they've made on you. You don't know what that will do for them. How that will sharpen them and encourage them. It might be a word that they need to hear even this morning. And so God on purpose has brought their name and face to your mind today. But don't ignore that. Number three, seek to sharpen one another. Seek to sharpen one another. I wonder when was the last time we considered the impact we were having on our closest friends? When was the last time that the thought went through our mind about those that we're friends with and friendships that we have of, God, today, help me to be the individual that sharpens them, that provides for them what they need today that maybe no one else is providing. Seek to sharpen one another. And with that comes the desire to be sharpened. The prayer that we have before God is not only that he would use us to accomplish that in other people's lives, but that God equally would give us the humility and the eyes that we need to receive correction when our friends desire to sharpen us. Because we are all in need of that. We're all in need of that. Number four, be willing to be honest and stay committed. Sometimes friendships are hard. Sometimes people let us down. Sometimes people will falter. But we need to be willing to be honest and stay committed. We need to love even as God has called us to. We need to follow his example and be honest and stay committed to the friendships that we have that need us and that we need in return. Number five, avoid the traps of temptation and sin. Avoid the traps of temptation and sin, and even in our friendships, with our words, with our attitudes, with our actions, avoid the temptations and traps of sin that so often separate friends. I think these are five helpful points of actions, I know for my own life and hopefully for you, as you seek to be a friend to others and receive friendship from others in a way that would be honoring and pleasing to the Lord. I want to close this morning by reading in John chapter 15, verses 12 through 20, the words of Jesus. Just listen to these words. Jesus is speaking. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Think of that for a moment. Jesus is speaking to his followers here, and he says, listen, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. God has given the responsibility to the church, to brothers and sisters in Christ, to love one another in the same manner that Christ has loved us. It's a tremendous calling, isn't it? It's a tremendous responsibility that he's given to us. And he says this, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus says, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And then he gives an explanation of how it is that he loved us. He says, greater love is no one than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. That's exactly what Christ did, right? It's what he did. He did that for us. For those of us that know Christ as Savior, he's making something abundantly clear. My love for you has been demonstrated by my laying down my life for you. And this is what he says. 
you are my friends. He says it right there, John chapter 15, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus is saying that if, this is, if you follow me, if you know me, if you are my child, if you are my father's child, if you belong to me, if you're part of the family of God, if you have believed in me as Savior, if you know me, you're my friend. And I've laid down my life for you. You belong to me. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 15. He says, I give you this commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Listen, friends, Jesus is saying, friends, just as I have laid down my life for you, my friends, I'm calling on you to love each other in that same way that you would lay down your life for one another. That you would love one another, even as I have loved you. I'm calling you my friends. He gives this reason why. Look, this is how he concludes in John 15, 12 to 20. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And this is what he says. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Jesus shares with them some insight here in John 15, 12 to 20 that we can't miss today. And I think it has a direct correlation between the responsibility that we have as followers of Christ to love one another, to be a friend to one another, to care for one another, to pray for one another, to build up one another. Because Jesus makes something abundantly clear. The friendship that we have is with Christ. The friendship that we have is with one another. Because as followers of Christ who do not belong to this world, we will be hated by this world. Not only will we not be loved by this world, he says you will be hated by this world because of me. Because they hated me, Jesus said, they will hate you. This is the command I'm giving to you, that you love one another. Because we need to love one another. We've been given example to love one another. And it's not going to come from the world. It's not going to come from the enemies of Christ. It's going to come from the body of Christ. As the body of Christ, we need one another another. We need one another. And so might we as the body of Christ today commit to caring for one another, to loving one another, to bearing with one another, to bearing burdens with one another, to praying for one another, to supporting one another, to living with one another, to meeting needs with one another. Because that is what God has called us to. There is an abundance of need today 
within the body of Christ for true and lasting friendships that will reach out and care for one another today. I don't know who God maybe has placed on your mind or heart today, but hopefully he's placed someone on your mind or heart today that today you need to love and care for, that today you need to be a friend to, that today you need to check in on, that today you need to forgive or you need to confront or you need to pray for or you need to pray with. It's of absolute necessity that as the body of Christ, we show ourselves to be friends together. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. The one who says he loves the Father and does not do what he says is a liar. So might we obey him. Might we love one another. Might we be a friend to one another. And might we glorify Christ. Let's pray. As we bow to pray this morning, I just want to give an opportunity if you're here today and you would say, man, this morning God has really placed on my heart, my mind, an individual, brother or sister in Christ, another individual that I need to, as a friend, encourage or pray for or speak to. And I'm committed to doing that today. Would you put your hand right now? Is there anybody that had someone that God has laid on your heart that that's really what you want? Yeah, good. I see some hands. Good. Yeah, that God would give you the strength that you need to to follow up on this commitment. I, I want to pray for you in a minute. If you're here today and you would say, hey, listen, I, I'm falling into the category of the ones that are really struggling today, that I, I really need encouragement. I really need friendships and encouragement that would build up. I really need the body of Christ to, to surround me. I want to pray for you this morning. If you're here, would you put your hand up right now that I could pray for you? Yeah, I see your hands. Yeah, good. I want to encourage you right now as your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, just take a moment before the Lord and pray for that individual that maybe was on your heart and mind. I'm going to pray for you that, that raised your hands here in a moment. I'm going to ask you to seek out friends that you know of within this body or outside of this body that know Christ, that you would reach out and let them know, hey, I, I need encouragement today. I need help today. I need you to, to, to bear with me today. And I want to encourage you to seek that out. I want to encourage you to seek out those that need that. Just spend a moment before the Lord asking him for the guidance and direction and wisdom in that area and that you would honor him in it. Father, thank you that your word tells us you demonstrated your love for us And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, Lord, that you can be trusted. That you truly are our friend and yet our Savior. I pray for those that raise their hands today, Lord, that are in need of encouragement, in need of hope, in need of comfort, in need of friendship and companionship, Lord, that you would provide that for them, that the body of Christ would come alongside and encourage I pray that they would be able to seek out friends that would care for them authentically and they would be able to be vulnerable in seeking that. Pray for so many that raise their hands this morning because you've placed someone on their heart or mind that they would follow through today and check in on friends that need encouragement, that they would check in with friends that need prayer and that need hope and and, and companionship today and that you would stir within us a desire, Lord, to do that, to sharpen one another and care for one another. 
that we would love one another even as you've loved us. Father, please give us eyes, the eyes of Christ, that we would see needs and meet them, that we would care for one another selflessly, sacrificially, and that in doing so, we would honor you. We give you all these things, Lord. We ask that you'd be glorified in Christ's name.